Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Heartland Flags and Gifts presents Legends and Listeners with Scott Docterman and Chad Leistico. Fly them high and fly them proud. Find your flag at heartlandflags.com. Breaking down the Big Ten from the Channel Seat Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. What is happening, Hawkeye fans, Big Ten fans, and Iowans everywhere? Thrilled that you are joining us for Episode 5 of Legends and Listeners here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. I am your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, coming to you live today from the Channel Seed Studios. It is Week 3 of the Iowa football season, and to dig into the 2-0 Hawkeyes and the rest of the Big Ten, I'm happy to be joined by my good friend, Scott Docterman of The Athletics. Scott... I think most people on here probably know you are you and I are jaded fans of the Chicago Bears. Uh, that rivalry game against the Packers was about the polar opposite experience from Iowa's twenty to thirteen Cyhawk win in Ames, huh? Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm just about done with the Bears. I still have <laughs> Bears paraphernalia behind me and all that stuff. But I've gotten to the point where after <laughs> maybe maybe I'm like Iowa fans watching the offense from year to year. I don't know. Yeah, but I've, yeah, yeah. I've got but but at least Iowa goes to bowl games and wins. I the Bears uh, can't do anything right uh, for the last thirty some odd years. So I, I've gotten to the point where I might just take down over I guess over this shoulder my uh, my mug and and pack it up and send it off to Green Bay where they seem to be the owners of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> well, we will get to a dysfunctional, <laughs> uh, some dis- dysfunctional leadership in the Big Ten uh, later in this show. But first of all, I want to remind folks, Legends and Listeners is brought to you every Thursday by Heartland Flags and Gifts, which provides free shipping anywhere in the U.S. and is always coming up with new products and has you covered with nearly every team, every sport, and every flag. Remember, Hawkeye fans, it's a gold out this week against Western Michigan, so it's a good time to get that bright gold Hawkeye flag in time for Saturday. Uh, Please visit our show's title sponsor online at heartlandflags.com or in-store at 3719 Southwest 9th Street in Des Moines. 
Scott, uh, always enjoy our appetizer topics. So let's start this week which with, with a really fun one, mm-hmm. which is the mood of this Hawkeye team. I, I'm trying to come up with the right word for it. Uh, frisky? Happy? <laughs> uh, from Nico Regaini's humorous, profane description of the non-pass interference call against Iowa State to Joe Evans' nonstop giggling when asked about his pregame speech in Ames that uh, Brock Heward says – uh, violated FCC rules to uh, Cade McNamara's uh, not safe for work uh, slip up that kind of went viral national nationally. Uh, this Tuesday, Scott almost felt like none other to me covering the Hawkeyes uh, in my time on the beat. It just it's it feels like a different I don't know like dynamic or, or vibe. I don't know how did, how would you say uh, how would you describe that. Yeah, I think I'm there with you. I mean, it's it's a it's a team that's kind of feeling itself right now. Uh, you know, hopefully not in the Kate McNamara style, but uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's a team that right now has uh, a lot of popularity, a lot of uh, you know, just is really enjoying the way it's competing in so many different ways. And and uh, but you know, I, I think um, you know one of the most fascinating parts for me is is just you know, what Nico Regini said, you know, because this is something that we've seen on the basketball beat a few times, uh, complaining mm-hmm. about the officiating, but uh, to do it and do it so descriptively, um, it, it shows that, yeah, Nico is, uh, he's, his in-gaff factor is just about up. And and the, to call out the officiating like that, uh, got a strong response from the Big Ten of reprimand, uh, his Reprimand. name is now out there publicly. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Like, don't do it again. Um, yeah. So I think that's where he is. But he, he was right in complaining, I think. Um, he, the Big Ten is also right in reprimanding. But I I, I think, uh, you know, that, Joe Evans, Cade, uh, his slip-ups, uh, it was an interesting week nonetheless. Well, I, I feel like – it's a sign of the transformation. Maybe I'm taking it too far. You tell me what you think, but I feel like it's a sign of the transformation that's occurred since the summer of 2020, where, you know, one of the primary complaints was uh, in the whole program was guys not being able to be their authentic selves. Right. And you're seeing, I feel like this year by year, it's kind of gradually gotten there. Like, you know, I felt like the first year, you know, there was a few guys that were, outspoken but everyone else was kind of reserved and i feel like it's kind of gradually grown i don't know what, how you would feel about this guy but that's how i feel i just see just guys al- allowed to talk to the media openly uh i, I think kirk ferentz is also <laughs> like nico Re- regaini kind of an old guy that's uh uh not worried about what other people say <laughs> anymore and um i just feel like it's really refreshing i feel like iowa fans appreciate it so much and I, I just sincerely hope that uh, those inside the program recognize that aspect of this whole conversation rather than, oh, boy, it's time to tighten the reins on the media interviews and, and you know, tone down the personalities. Because, frankly, I feel like the personalities are – that's why we're seeing two straight years of sellouts. I mean, if Tory Taylor wasn't so wonderful, you know, personally, for example, would he – I mean, he's a great punter, but would he have as much love as he does now? I feel like Cade McNamara earned thousands of popularity points this week just by being himself. You know what I mean? And and I don't know. I just uh, it's really refreshing, especially thinking back to like the 15, 17 Hawkeyes that are just so buttoned up. Guys couldn't even talk to the media sometimes because of, you know, 
for whatever reason. I mean, think back to Noah Fant or George mm-hmm. Kittle even. Um, I don't know. I'm ranting here a little bit, but I just I, I enjoy it. I hope it does not come to any kind of uh, screeching halt here just because of, of a week of, you know, headlines. No, this is the best thing they can have. I mean, you're, you're galvanizing your fan base. You're energizing it. You're making fans feel like, OK, I feel they feel just like I do when they watched him get yanked down and I'll buy Jeremiah Cooper. Now, you know, Jeremiah Cooper intercepted that pass and more power to him. But then the ball don't lie, you know, on that two plays later. And he's as J.J. Watt said. But I think we're, we're seeing this gradual shift in this program towards openness and it's something that we missed out on a lot i think you know you hit the you know the nail on the head you know right around 16 17 ish it just felt like it was so confined and and restricted on so many different areas that nobody could ever be um you know nobody could ever really feel like themselves and then you look at kirk you know i felt like you know we we left the timeouts and took the pig with us, you know, <laughs> you know, in 20, yeah, the, right. the, the response with Nebraska about the, the day clapping. the lawsuit was filed. Right. He's yeah. like, forget it. I'm, I'm going. Yeah. The, uh, the Nebraska <laughs> clapping situation, you know, next week we'll have to hear a lot about scuba and turtle mm-hmm. um, regarding Penn state. And um, not that the, the fans aren't stupid, you know, and then you, you know, you look at, <laughs> You know, some of the people that have really spoken their minds over the last few years, you know, Sam Laporta, before he left, Tyrone Tracy was that way. Um, and then now with Nico Ragaini and, and Kate McNamara, and I, I think fans want to feel that. They enjoy that, you know, even if it's even if it's deserved of a FCC, you know, smack on the wrist. You know what? That endears them. And as you said perfectly with Tor- Tory Taylor, Tory is – He's great because of who he is, not just that he kick punts a ball. Because if he hasn't talked to us, if he's just a, you know, well, we're just out there working hard and we're hard, hard workers. And we worked hard all off season because we worked hard in the, in the weight room and, and we're, we work hard. We're hard, you know, <laughs> then, then we're, you know, which careful. Was, yeah. <laughs> careful, Cade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so yeah, rawr, but no, I, I think overall that it's been a godsend for everybody. And I think, I think the players feel that too. You can just feel they have felt so much, you know, 20 was tough because of the COVID as much as anything else. But I think in the last couple of years, you could just see them be more relaxed, be more themselves. And you know what? It hasn't taken the program with them. They felt they felt yeah. pretty good on the field for the most part. Yeah, and just a couple of final points, and then we'll move on here. But just I feel like Kirk also identified uh, suspended policy with, for instance, Jamari Harris and Noah Shannon. Didn't stick them on the scout team like you would normally with a sus- suspended player. Again, kind of taking the circumstances uh, into effect. And also, we didn't hear anything from Kirk Ferentz. Like, Nico shouldn't have said that. Nico was 100% right in what he said, and Kirk Ferentz knows he was right in yeah. what he said. And uh, I'm 100% sure Kirk Ferentz agrees with what Nico said. Uh, I think the probably the only thing that Kirk would probably want is, hey, you don't want that official holding that against you next time he has a flag in his pocket because that was a Big Ten crew. So yeah. apologies out there. Um, moving on, Big Ten says it's closed. Uh, we'll see if Nico gets another demerit uh, down the line. We'll see if he, uh, you know, 
has some kind of TD celebration this week or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah anyway, so. <laughs> well, let's discuss uh, before we get to our main topic of today's show. Let's discuss the impressive feat of beating Iowa State six times in a row in Ames. That is a remarkable feat when you think about the job Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State. Teams go into Jack Trice Stadium, you know, with a top five ranking and often come out of there with a loss. Uh, it, it is pretty remarkable. Uh, the way that Kirk Ferentz's teams go in there and find a way to win. Uh, what do you give the credit to there, Scott, uh, these last six times now that the Hawkeyes have gone in there and, and pulled out a W? They've done it in different ways, too. Uh, they've done it, you know, 44-41 shootout in, in 2017. They've done it in comeback fashion in, in multiple times. They've had to hold on. This one was more of that. It was kind of like 13 in some ways where they had a 20-point lead and then held on in the end. And so, you know, really it comes down to just being more consistent. And I think the, when you look at the, the, the turnover numbers in, in Ames and how that's really been impactful, um, the 19 game, you know, certainly 21 game, really turnovers were the key factor in, in how those games came, you know, and, and even in 15 with uh, the interception by Desmond King late in the game. So that to me is, is really important important for Iowa and the way they've responded on the road because Kirk Ferentz lost four out of his first five in, in Jack Trice Stadium. And uh, and they were tough losses. And uh, I think getting win number 200 when at a place where you lost your first four, um, or at least the opponent you've lost your first four, was, was really impactful for him because even the year that they, you know, 2002, they, you know, they were ranked as high as number three. They were final – you know, uh, that was the only loss of the regular season. There is still some pressure on Kirk about, eh, you know, the, this is an opponent, an in-state opponent, a rival opponent, and you're not winning these games. So I think uh, it was all all things told, you know, quite the, the win for Iowa and impressive that they can do it six straight, you know, in Jack Trice. Yeah. Uh, nothing more, much more to add to that other than I just find it really impressive. I feel like all these wins are pretty much the the Hawkeye formula, right? The, you know, do the fundamentals right. Uh, I feel like smart coaching has been uh, a part of this as well. Adjustments in that 2019 game. I mean, Iowa was getting, you know, frankly, on the verge of getting blown out of that game. Um, I know it was, you know, prolonged by the weather delays, but Brock Purdy hits that long TD pass early in the second half. 14-6, you don't feel very good about it. And Phil Parker makes adjustments, starts going after Brock Purdy. Uh, the tide changes a little bit. Tyler Goodson kind of – you just you just see that. And then I just thought the – you know, I know people want Brian Ferentz, you know, <laughs> hung at the stake or whatever, but I, I thought he called a, a really good game um, on Saturday. I mean, a couple of those plays missed, but a couple were pretty darn good. I mean, how bad has Iowa been in third and short um, in recent years? And, and heck – all their big plays came on third and short. I mean, 59 yards to Jazz Patterson, 35 to Luke Lachey, 23 to Eric All, all on third and short plays. So maybe it was a huge blessing that the quarterback sneak was off the table in this one. <laughs> exactly. Well, I tell you what, your uh, your malaprop hung at the stake kind of stuck with me for a minute there. I'm like, <laughs> uh, you know, burned and hung? That would Oh, be yeah. <laughs> maybe I did it wrong there. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, uh, that's uh, that, that's torture. Well, the, for, the college for football inquirer guy. guys said that maybe, 
you know, Brian Ferentz will be pushed into a volcano if he doesn't <laughs> average 25 points a game. So we're just having fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can think of all the crazy deaths that, that Iowa fans would want for Brian Ferentz because I, I brought that up, uh, you know, in a staff meeting uh, back in the spring. I'm like, people don't here just don't want him fired. They want him dead. And, and, and I'm not exact exaggerating a little bit you know they want him they want to see him gone in the worst way and i'm like i saw an improving offense i hate to say it and you're gonna throw tomatoes at me for this but i think that he's pretty i think he's had some pretty good game plans they missed on a couple of shots and if they hit them this is a this is probably a blowout uh, you know and it really could have should have been you know and i like the way that they have you know, went southpaw with, with counters. I counted 10 counters for what, 91 yards or 88 yards, something like that. Yeah. That the was other a good day. Story. Yep. And the fascinating part of that to me is it's, it's such a deviation from what they want to do, but it's what they had to do because their personnel up front is better suited for that style of blocking. It doesn't get allow the, um, the discretion of the officiating in some ways with your, with your cut blocks in space to get a, to, to be a problem. And then you have backs, you know, certainly jazz Patterson, who's capable of hitting the hole. It's there, bam, he's, he's running hard and he's hitting the hole. And, and I expect Caleb Johnson to do that as well. But, um, and then you look at the, what they've had to withhold because of Caleb, because of Cade McNamara's injury, there have been no rollouts. There have been no bootlegs. They've only had, I think, 10, um, you know, 10 different uh, play-action passes. So when you throw that all in the mix, you've seen an offensive coordinator who's radic- radically changed that offense, who played against a defense that was number four in the country last year and probably will be in a similar state this year. I thought it was a well-called game. I, I think he's done a nice job. And I know that's probably going to, I'm probably going to go outside here in a little bit and there'll be tomatoes all over my windshield, but <laughs> I kind of believe that. Well, uh, yeah, uh, no question about it. Uh, off to a decent start, but it's still a national headline. I mean, ESPN's yeah. writing about it this week. Uh, it's going to continue to persist, and uh, we'll see. We're going to get to the Western Michigan matchup a little way later in our show. But first, I want to remind folks that Circa Sports is the exclusive sports betting app of Iowa everywhere. Circa Sports is sports betting the way it should be with the highest limits, lowest holds, and the best odds. Download the app today at the App Store or CircaSports.com. Scott, another uh, NFC North team in action with a Hawkeye tight end. Vikings-Eagles tonight. Uh, Circa has TJ Hawkinson's over-under yardage at 49.5, and he is plus 255 as an anytime TD score. We missed on Laporta last week. Laporta had a great game. 49.5 for Hawk tonight. What do you got? Uh, I think he does hit it. This is a tough crowd and a tough place, but I think he's, he's, he had a pretty good week. I think he was eight to nine targets last week, um, catching the ball and I was 12th overall in the big in, uh, in college football for producing NFL players on opening day rosters with 29 fourth in the big 10, um, had a really good week Four starting tight ends, five played pretty impressive uh, week. So yeah, I do think Hawkinson covers tonight. Yeah, Monty Hooker had a, a really nice first oh, game yeah. as well this season. All right, t- Scott, time for the central question of today's show. Central topic, I should say. We're going to take stock of the Big Ten through two weeks because I feel like perceptions have changed quite a bit in two weeks, and we can decide if those are fair perce- perception changes or maybe it's too early to tell. 
and we're going to discuss where Iowa might fit in. We had that conversation a couple weeks ago. Could Iowa compete in Indy if it gets to Indy? Maybe the answer has changed a little bit. I don't know. A lot to unpack here, Scott. We may not get to all 14 teams, but let's at least hit the big storylines. And I think we have to start this week in East Lansing where the Mel Tucker headlines on Sunday morning certainly were a shocker as I rolled out of bed <laughs> after a long Saturday. Um, yeah. Uh, covering the Cyhawk, uh, could not believe it. I mean, I, I cannot imagine he's ever going to coach a game at Michigan State again. Uh, I, I don't know where to begin on this other than I, I would say just disappointed in the decision-making here. I mean, whether, you know, I know he's fighting, uh, you know, putting out some strong statements and whatnot, but obviously uh, really had made some poor judgment calls as head football coach and a leader of men. Yeah, I think that's where you have to start, Chad, is that there this the situation is ambiguous. There's no question about it. And that's why there was a hearing. Um, and, but when you're talking about Brenda Tracy, somebody who uh, was raped when she was in, in college uh, by four players, four athletes, including two football players, and has gone around for years talking on campuses about this, that this is not a topic or this is not a subject that you should put yourself in this situation and whether the conversations, uh, the tone of the conversations really doesn't matter. And, you know, you're a married uh, leader of men, young men, you're bringing this person on your campus to talk about sexual assault and awareness and what men should do or shouldn't do when it comes to this type of topic. And, and to, to, it's really not only unfortunate, but it's, it's sad. It's it's disgusting. And whether there was, you know, how much um, ambiguity is really is laid to this, I don't know. I don't want to get into that because that's dangerous territory. But I think it's very disappointing, and it's disappointing for a campus, Chad. That's that's had a lot of turmoil. Larry Nasser situation. Yeah. Um, I think it, it would be very difficult for Michigan State to welcome him back. I, I would imagine that there will probably be a settlement. I don't think this you can they'll probably fire him with cause mm -hmm. and then it'll go to court and then there'll be some sort of settlement similar vein to what happened in Northwestern. And I think that's really sad that you, you're seeing this repeatedly in the Big Ten conference. And I think but and on this campus that there's a zero tolerance for this type of behavior. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I frankly, I mean, he leaves, what, $77 million potentially on the, on the table here. I mean, just unbelievably bad judgment, um, but not just about the money, but that's part of it, too. Like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> like at 1230 in the morning, um, man, tough, tough, tough. And uh, from a football perspective, I mean, this it, it just seems like Michigan State just cannot gain traction. Uh, they come into Kinnick Stadium in a couple weeks, Scott. They've, hey, they've looked pretty good. They're 2-0. I uh, feel like they've maybe turned it around a little bit from last year, but now who knows? Uh, I think the scary part, I think, for Hawkeye fans is, again, we're talking on-field right now, is Mark D'Antonio has a headset again, a headset on again for the Spartans, and they come to Kinnick on September 30th. Uh, hasn't gone well for the Hawkeyes in the past when D'Antonio's uh, – in the mix 
Mm-hmm. But the the games at Kinnick have been competitive, tough. Well, all of them have been when he's in the mix. And I think when you look at um, if you want to get Ferentz's juices going, it's not really with Mel Tucker on the other sideline, who they who he beat forty nine to seven the last time. But if you look over and you see uh, Green Darth Vader, then I think you're going to be like, <laughs> here he comes, because um, I think he was five and four against her. <laughs> you know. Man. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's, <laughs> but you know, they won the last three again head to head. He did, yeah. uh, and when you look at the most important one, of course, was 15 because yeah. I maintain that was the biggest game in the Ferentz era. Then 15, they were 12 yeah. and 0. Um, that incredible 22 play drive. It was, it was too. Rock'em Sock'em Robots going head-to-head for 22 freaking plays. And even on the last one, the touchdown, where, you know, the the, t- the ball went over the edge just by a, a couple of inches. And uh, you look at Josie Jewell being on face down because the, the pulling center tackled him from behind. Ugh, you know, yeah, very, very, very close to going to the playoff. Now that they don't win the playoff, I know that. Right. They probably don't beat Alabama. And I, they probably lose decisively. However, to win the Big Ten Conference, to go 13-0 and in the Big Ten Conference, that would have been something. So I, I'm going on a, on a rant here, but I think D'Antonio will help be helpful for them at this stage because Harlan Bennett is, is going to he's, – he's a former Spartan. He's going to help get everybody in gear. And, but D'Antonio does have experience. And now that he's removed by a few years, you know, he's going to – He's going to get them prepared, and uh, but coming to Kinnick, this will this will probably help Iowa more than it will Michigan State. Yeah, I like that perspective. Um, and yeah, you're bringing up a lot of a lot of the Antonio memories here. Certainly, 2013, they came into mm-hmm. Kinnick and, and played a really good game. And then yeah, that 22 play drive, so many close calls. I mean, like Jordan Lomax was so yeah. close to breaking up a pass. You had the fourth down run by Connor Cook that yeah. barely made it uh, in the red zone there, and. Uh, I mean, heck, Melvin Spears, Bud Spears was on the field for that last play. That's how gassed that Hawkeye defense was. He was like yeah. third, third string, never used defensive end. And I was just kind of out of bodies at that point. But now they have better depth on the defense. Yeah. But anyway. anyway. Poor, poor Jordan Flomax. He gets hit in the yeah. knee when the ball is right there. If he hits the ball or if he hits the ball carrier, it's, you know, first of all, Jordan Lomax actually has more than a cup of coffee in the NFL. And mm-hmm. um, and then the ball's at worst at the one-inch line, fourth and goal, and the greatest fourth down play in Big Ten history. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's – <laughs> I go on all day on that one, and we're not built for that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a couple weeks away. Uh, yeah. Let's look at the some other teams in the Big Ten East, namely the top three. Scott, um, I I wonder if we reshuffle what we think of these top three right now. I mean, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, all have kind of looked different. I would say Iowa's opponent next week of the three of them probably has looked the best, Penn State. I mean, they're averaging 50.5 points per game. I don't know if you make Penn State the favorite right now, but uh, they certainly look formidable, and they get Michigan at home during the stretch, and Ohio State does not look like a world beater at this point. Uh, Curious how you would sort one, two, three in the Big Ten East right now. I know it's early. But we've gotten some impressions now from the Buckeyes, Wolverines, and Nittany Lions. I would put 
Penn State number one, and, it, and a lot of that has to do with their first their season opening opponent in uh, in West Virginia playing at home. I mean, last week they played Delaware and they crushed Delaware, and um, anybody in in any phase of life would crush Delaware. But you know, it's a small state. <laughs> no <laughs> Joe Flacco at quarterback, right? No Joe Flacco, no Joe yeah. Biden. You know, so. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you look at the others. They haven't played a real impressive schedule. They haven't played very impressively. I mean, Ohio State's 23 to 3 win against Indiana, I don't think was what I was anticipating. And, and same thing with last week. And and no Jim Harbaugh and you know, no uh Sharon Moore, you know, offensive coordinator for for Michigan. JJ McCarthy has looked very impressive, however. So I would go Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State thus far. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if I if, if in a couple of weeks that that whole thing changes. Big noon game this week, Penn State at Illinois. We'll get a little bit more of a measuring stick on James Franklin's squad. And frankly, if you're a Hawkeye fan, watch that game. Get a, get a beat on uh, your opponent next week and the Illini who come to town November 18th. Another Big Ten East team that does come to Kinnick in November is Rutgers. And Rutgers is 2-0. Maryland looks pretty good at two and zero, but the you know how much do you take in the stock of their opponents? Rutgers is allowed just seven points in each game against Northwestern and Temple. That's not too bad. And Maryland's offense looks really, really good. Scott, which two and zero team do you believe in more? Uh, the the of the Big Ten newcomers uh, for now, the Terps or the Scarlet Knights? I guess I would probably lean towards Maryland. Um, just because of the quarterback, I believe more in them. Um, Northwestern, we know what their struggles are going to be this year. And Temple um, isn't isn't any kind of a bowl team, even in the AAC. So I probably would go to Maryland. I wasn't real impressed with them early last week against Charlotte, which is an abomination for NBC to have as their NBC Saturday night game with the um, you know, with the, the, what is Imagine Dragons? Is that the, the song singers? But, um, but anyway, I'd probably go Maryland. What say you? I mean, I just want to give a nod to Rutgers, I guess. I yeah. feel like, you know, this is a program that's been so bad in the big 10 for so many years and they look formidable. I mean, heck, I, I, it wasn't that long ago. They were getting beat by Michigan, like 79, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Schiano has them playing tough defense. Uh, I just think that, that that game loom. I'm not saying they're going to beat Iowa on November 11th, but I wouldn't take it lightly at this point. They're going to play hard. They're going to uh, probably punt the ball. Well, they're going to play good defense. And uh, I don't know. I just want to give them a shout. They got Virginia tech this week. They could be three and going into yeah. uh, week four. So uh, good start by kudos to Greg Schiano. Uh, let's go. Let's flip to the big 10 West here, Scott. Cause that's what uh, the people on here probably even care about more. Uh, Wisconsin, certainly uh, a big storyline right now. They go up to to Wazoo and uh, go down. I was kind of monitoring that game as uh, I was walking out of Jack Trice Stadium the other day. And uh, frankly, I couldn't believe – I could believe it, but I was I was kind of surprised that they went down so easily, I guess. And Braylon Allen, seven carries for 20 yards. What are you doing, Luke Fickle? I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, this was – my big question mark going into the season was how can Wisconsin um, turn their completely their offense around and will it be um, effective? And so far, no, um, you know, they, they 
beat Buffalo. So what? You know, they but they go on the road against the power five for this year opponent in Washington State. And and in the first half, they were completely defeated and they were, you know, then second half, they came back a little bit, but I, uh, you know, Chaz Malusi is a good running back. So is Braylon Allen, but are you really leveraging your program strengths by going to this type of route, this uh, air raid, this, um, you know, spread them out type of style. I mean, you know, for Wisconsin uh, out of two veins is one, does this type of thing take you from being a pretty good program most years to an elite level program, or does it take you down a notch? And now you, you, you're losing what makes you most effective. And I think right now that's where they're at. And will Tanner Mordecai be able to do this when you're playing better defenses? Well, you know, and that's what's going to happen in the Big Ten, whether it's Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, uh, you know, Iowa versus Wisconsin, but also when they're playing Minnesota, when they're playing Ohio State, when they're playing other teams in the Big Bielema, Ten. Yeah. Bielema, yeah. So I, I think I would probably say that I'm concerned for Wisconsin. I think they have the opportunity to, to get it back to do well, but um, like this week, they're uh, they're they're they, you know they've got a challenging. I mean, Georgia Southern is kind of a weird team to play for, and they're a 19 point favorite. But I don't know. I'm not I'm not sold on the Badgers right now. Yeah, and uh, it, it's dangerous to play the comparison game, but Buffalo was hanging with them for a while. Mm-hmm. I actually rewatched that game on my YouTube TV, and mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Buffalo lost to Fordham this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that was a Fordham t- again. Fordham lost to Albany, so it's yeah. not. I mean, that was a bad Buffalo team, and they were struggling with them too. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I did pick Iowa to win the West, and I'm still there right now. I mean, we're going to get into some other teams, but. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin's got a turn. I have a feeling Phil Longo got his wrist slapped a little bit this week. Like, get the ball to Braylon Allen. Good grief. Yeah. What are you doing? He's like Jonathan Taylor light back there, and you're oh, yeah. leaving him be. So, anyway. you, know, you got a 240 pound back who's built like a Greek god. I mean, give him the ball, <laughs> you know. And, and you know that's that's what that's what I wondered about all along. Is you're yeah. going to spread all these guys out? I mean, they in their elements. Let's let's see what happens. But um, when you're playing against Phil Parker. That's not going to work. I can guarantee that they're going to have to, they're going to have to run the ball a little bit, or it could be, you know, it could be a a, a 10 to seven loss. (laughs) Minnesota is the only team besides Iowa in the big 10 West with a two and O record. It's been a a adventurous two and O had to rally to beat the Huskers Mm -hmm. in week one, of course, and then kind of a low scoring gross game against Eastern Michigan at home. So, uh, the Gophers go to North Carolina. It's about time they play a Power Five non-conference game. Good grief! Um, I mean, I guess they played Oregon State maybe a couple times, right? But that was when Oregon State was bad. Um, they're playing at North Carolina. That's going to be a real interesting game. Uh, we could we could emerge Saturday, Scott, and see Iowa is the only unbeaten team in the West. Anyway, I have not been impressed by Minnesota. It does not seem like their line play is up to to snuff. And uh, I'm not sold on their QB just yet. I like, you know, PJ Fleck, you know, how he builds a program. It's actually pretty similar to Iowa in a lot of ways in terms of in the trenches and defense. But what do you think about Minnesota thus far? Are they a viable contender in the West? No, and it's and part of it's their schedule. Uh, they do have to play Michigan and Ohio State. Those are two teams you automatically look at and go, eh, you know, that's, that's probably losses for them. And then that means they have to be perfect in the West, and I don't think they're that good. 
Um, however, going on the road at North Carolina is going to be a huge challenge for this team because of who they have to face at quarterback and Drake May. I mean, he is a legitimate top 10 type player in the NFL draft next year. And um, But where they counter well is that they have a pretty decent secondary. I think Tyler Newbin is probably one of the better players that most people don't know about. And he had a couple picks in the week one and Justin Wally at, at at corner, I think is really good. So they can hang, but I'm not sold on their offense yet. Uh, they, you know, losing John Michael Schmitz at, at center was a killer. Muhammad Ibrahim was a great running back. Um, you know, they need to do more with Chris Ottman Bell and, and some of the receivers. I think they're capable of being a bowl team. I'm not capable thinking they're capable of being a Big Ten West championship team going to Indianapolis. So I think that they do lose probably over at North Carolina. And um, we'll know a little bit more about the mighty Gophers when they come back. Well, I want to get to Iowa here. So my la let's kind of breeze through this last one. Most disappointing team, Nebraska or Illinois? I think we both probably would say Nebraska. Agreed? No. 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 Go ahead. No. Well, I, I'm, I'm all on Illinois being more disappointing because I thought they played really poorly against a pretty good Mac team in, in Toledo, but they needed a miracle to win. Mm. And then last week going to, to Kansas, I think that's an even type matchup and they did not look good at all. I thought Luke Altmaier did a nice job later making it competitive, but this is a team that I expected to be uh, with its schedule. It was probably the most advantageous schedule in the Big Ten West. Um, I expected it to be a, a seven to eight win type of team, maybe a nine win team. And instead, what we're seeing is a team that may be lucky to get to a bowl game, Chad. And Nebraska has been disappointing to me, of course, because I thought, you know, but Colorado, you got to judge them on what they are, not what we True. thought they were. Yeah, they and, played two tough teams. You know, and it's a it's a on physical grind. Yeah, it's <laughs> physical grind against on the road at Minnesota, lost on the last play of the game. So, um yeah, they gave the game away, no question. And their offense is not good, and their quarterback's been terrible. But I think overall that I would be much more inclined to say Illinois has been a bigger disappointment because I think Nebraska was a borderline bowl team, whereas I thought Illinois was clearly a bowl team. Sure, yeah. Uh, Penn State, a 14-and-a-half-point road favorite in Champaign on Saturday morning on the big noon game. All right, let's. where does Iowa fit into this, Scott? Uh, after all this discussion, um, I feel – I feel better, even better about where Iowa stands than our conversation two weeks ago, just because I feel like Cade McNamara's health was such a question looming a couple weeks ago when we talked about this. And for him to say this week that he's feeling as good as he has, he's practicing fully. Uh, he has not been practicing on game weeks virtually. And um, now that he is, if he can get through this game uh, against Western Michigan and you know, not have any setbacks. Uh, I really like Iowa's chances. I like their schedule. We've all we've said all along, right, Scott? Iowa just needs a competent offense to go with this defense and special teams. And I feel like with Cade, you can see the tools. To me, this is me talking. I feel like the tools are there. Uh, a guy that can lead the offense, a guy that can win games. Uh, I really like where Iowa sits right now in terms of the Big Ten West. Yeah, absolutely. And if we want to start talking about the offense, Chad, I mean, I think I feel – 
since probably the last three years, you know, 2020, or excuse me, 2021, 2022, and now 2023, I think this is probably the best direction that they have um, because they were without some pieces. We know last year was going to be tough. And the year before that they were very inconsistent on offense. And, but this year you could see them building towards something. I think you could see them getting better. I think I saw the offensive line, the blocks it didn't make in week one, it made last week. The opponent, we cannot minimize the opponent that they played. I know Iowa fans will want to do that and say, well, I only scored 13 points. Uh, Iowa State is a good defense. Now, they're going to struggle on offense, but I saw a lot of good things from them too. I, I think highly of Matt Campbell and what he's done thus far. But but getting back to Iowa, I saw um, you know, uh, passing lanes that were opening up for receivers down the field that I think will be there, and I think the connections will be made. Mostly, I was impressed with more of the offensive line play. I thought that they were making blocks. And yes, they've switched. They are now a counter gap team. And I think that's really what they needed to be with the, the size of their offensive line, the way that they execute their blocks, and then the kind of the uncertainty that you get with officiating with some of your um, you know cut blocks. I, I think it, it's probably the right move. And I, and I saw them, you know, it wasn't perfect. Iowa State's defense is good, but they were making holes when they needed to. I overall was impressed. I think this is going to be a better offense. I'm not willing to say good. I'm willing to say better, and better is what they the best they've been in years. Yeah, and I've said uh, all along, I really like how Iowa's schedule sets up, and now that you're 2-0, that was big. I mean, yeah. obviously it doesn't affect the Big Ten standings, but just you're 2-0, should be 3-0 after this week. Yeah, go to Penn State. Probably going to take your lumps. Maybe you don't. You probably will. Um, it's a really good team. Really tough environment. Uh, then you get to come home for two weeks before you go to the rivalry game at Wisconsin. You got time, in my opinion. You got time to let this thing grow. Let it. It's you can. I can see the. I'm with you. I see the signs. I, just the fact that they're blocking in pass protection pretty well. I mean, compared to poor Spencer Peters, honestly. I mm. mean. Everyone wanted to put him next to Brian Ferentz yeah, <laughs> on the right. stake. And uh, he had no chance, you know, last yeah. year You know, on a lot of those. It was just like a guy was there. And uh, it's not that's not happening with Cade, and that's huge also for his health. So uh, I'm with you on that front. And uh, I just like how the schedule sets up. We'll see. Got to keep Cade healthy, though. That's absolutely paramount. And uh, kind of gets into this week, Scott. What do you want to see – most from let's let's stick with the offense i mean we know jamari harris is coming back but let's mm -hmm. go offense here since we're running out of time what do you want to see most from iowa's i don't know game plan what do you want to see most from iowa what do you need to see saturday against a, a western michigan team that comes in as a 28 point underdog i want to see a consistent running game i think that's really imperative for this team for the whole year um i thought they built some confidence last week which is something that was totally necessary to be able to see uh, alignment feel good about their performance, that they made holes against a really good opponent and it, it led to victory. And, and so I want to see more of that. And that's probably going to be in the 200 yard range, which is something we haven't seen for a while, but it's something that's necessary. The other thing I want to see them is hit some shots down the field. I think that's going to be good for the passing game. If that's a, you know, we saw it the first pass of the season, you know, a 36 yard touchdown, but, but what really, what we, what we've missed for years, it seems like is that 74 yard touchdown pass that just goes, Oh, wow. He's open, you know, and then it's a, 
you know, 74 yard touchdown pass to Seth Anderson. You want to see him hit some big shots down the field too. So there's a lot of things, but I would say specifically grind up some yards, get, you know, five to six yards of carry 200 yards, and then also connect on some passes down the field. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to, I'll go with the receivers, you know, eight receptions as a group through two games. Uh, As I'm writing in my preview, that's actually a worse pace than last year's (laughs) receiver production uh, when they had 76 catches for barely a thousand yards. So Mm -hmm. uh, I, I actually believe in these receivers. I just think, Iowa State's corners are superior. TJ Tampa's fantastic. Yeah. And I know everyone wants to gripe about how Jazz Patterson got caught from behind, but I saw you were uh, correctly yeah. uh, pointing out that TJ Ch- Tampa is an NFL player that tracked mm. him down. And uh, yeah. Jazz Patterson, a redshirt freshman, playing in his fifth career game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I would just like to see some confidence for those guys. We talked about the confidence in the O line. Need that. For Kirk Ferentz says, you got to have. George Barnett says it's important to build that confidence. You don't want to wreck a, an offensive line's confidence. I think this is a week to to get the receivers feeling good. I, obviously, they were feeling frisky this week, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so maybe they do feel good, you know. Uh, maybe they see opportunity as uh, yeah. Seth Anderson did a week ago. But uh, I would just like to see them have that production, however that comes. Uh, you know, frankly, getting back to the stupid Bears. Why not throw to DJ Moore more? Good grief. You you brought in Seth Anderson. You brought in Caleb Brown. Just throw him the ball. F- force yeah. feed the ball. Give him the chances. Don't be too you, – you know you got good running backs. Let's get these receivers going. That's going to loosen up everything. That's going to loosen up Luke Lachey, Eric All on the inside. That's going to loosen up the boxes. I mean, Iowa State, obviously uh, – I know we're re-legislating this game, but they knew Iowa wasn't going to throw the ball. They know Iowa was well enough. They're not going to wing it around too much. Brian Ferentz did take calculated shots late in that game just because mm-hmm. of that. But that's why Iowa couldn't run the ball late. They were just – they were going after it. That was the only way Iowa State could come back and win was to attack, attack, attack the run game and get the ball back as quick as possible. So anyway, right. loosen everyone up with the receivers. That's what I want to see this week. And obviously, Cade stay healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's prescription. You know, you, you can't have him take a setback or even get hurt, God forbid. I mean, that would just be – it's kind of like when Bernard Pollard uh, took out Tom Brady for a whole year. I mean, do you want Cade McNamara lost for the season, you know, or worse because of uh, Western Michigan? No, but but you, got, you also can't put him in bubble tape. You can't go out there and, and you have to – he has to play, you know. But in a perfect scenario for Iowa, and I think this is legitimate, is you want to be up by four-plus scores. Um you know, at halftime, you know, in the 27 to nothing range or, or whatever. And then if you could get them out there for a series in the third quarter, and if it's 34 to nothing at that point, shut them down, you know, let Deacon Hill, you know, uh, who could have beaten Buffalo too, if he would have been staying at Fordham. And, and then, you know, you can have Deacon Hill and Joe Labus both play and have throw everybody out there. That's the perfect scenario for Iowa is get a big win, feel good about yourself, put get some confidence going in the passing game and the running game. Defensively, there's some, you know, it, this isn't last year's team. 
you know, but they're still not bad. I mean, when you think about it, Chad, last year they lost a top, uh, you know, a top 12 pass rusher um, to the NFL draft, uh, the linebacker, defensive player of the year in the Big Ten, another linebacker who was second team all Big Ten, uh, a cornerback who was a third round guy, a safety who, who had 20 snaps in the in the first season opener for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then your then your defensive tackle, you know, was suspended uh, for the season, plus another defensive end who was there for two years that that graduated so they lost a lot of guys even though we expect them to be good they lost a lot of guys so you want to see improvement there they're capable of it but it's not automatic and and so i think seeing a dominant defensive effort coupled with explosive offense yes it's perfect scenario we're pollyanna here but yeah but that's what you want to see right yeah that's what i asked what you want to see not uh, yeah. what you think of it. so uh we want to t- we always like to talk about what we're working on at the Dwayne register and at the athletic because we appreciate uh, our bosses letting us do this we appreciate uh chris williams and his team uh, allowing us to be on this podcast together legends and listeners one thing that i wrote about that published this morning was Iowa has one sack through two games. So Mm -hmm. I would like to see on that side of the ball a little more production. I understand why it hasn't come. Uh, You know, you haven't blitzed much. They've called some blitzes, Seth Wallace said, but they had to back off of them because Iowa State coached it smart and Mm -hmm. got in formations where they staved off the blitzes. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit technical, but there are reasons Iowa hasn't had as much production. But you would like to see more production just with that four-man rush. And and maybe I feel like with Jamari Harris back – I feel like maybe Phil is, is going to feel better about sending blitzes and not leaving Deshaun Lee on an island. That's what, I, that's what I've been working on. Hopefully you guys check that story out at hawkcenter.com. How about you, Scott? Anything uh, on your athletic menu before Saturday? Yeah, I wrote about um, Nick Jackson's transition to Iowa. And, and and it's just, you know, this is the third straight year he's had a different defensive coordinator. So different scheme, trying to trying to go from speaking English to German to Spanish in, in a three-year period is very challenging. Um, yet, you know, talking to some of his former Virginia teammates, they were very uh, complimentary of him and his leadership ability. And it just seems to me that he's getting better week by week. Um you know, obviously Jay Higgins has been tremendous, but I think uh, the more comfortable he gets, the bigger asset he'll be um, in the big picture. So I wrote about him and and uh, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, what, especially once he gets starting to get into the box more often, probably starting next week against Penn State, then you'll see a, a different type of Nick Jackson than what you saw certainly in week one and, and a little bit of week two. Great show, Scott, and thank you very much. Thank you, listeners, for getting legends and listeners off to a fast start here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Tell your friends, your Hawkeye coworkers about us. The more audience we gain, the more we can keep doing this show together. So be sure to join us next Thursday at 11 a.m. from the Channel Seed Studios as we preview the Seven Nation Army Showdown, uh, Iowa at Penn State. Uh, Scott and I will both be in Happy Valley next week. For Scott Docterman, this is Chad Leistico reminding you to wear gold on Saturday at Kinnick. We'll talk to you next week here on Iowa Everywhere. Iowa Everywhere.